Hey everybody, Ian Morgan Cron here, host of the show Typology, the podcast on which we explore the story of you and the mystery of you through the lens of the Enneagram. I'm sitting in the cave over the garage behind my house, the studio where we record the podcast with my dear friend, Anthony Skinner. Hey, Ian, I love that the name of this place keeps morphing from week to week. What was it before? Well, it was the garage, and then you just said the cave, and I think it should just keep evolving. So. Maybe we should have people like DM us with names of the yeah. studio. Well, you know what? I'll do that on socials. Let's do that. All right. Yeah. Sounds good to me. Cool. We'll, just, we'll, pick the best, we'll pick the best name and send them a copy of my new book. Oh, that's a great idea. Um, okay. Uh, we've got some really fun news that we want to share. But before we do that, I like to remind people that your brand new book is out and available. The story of you, it dropped in December. So it's still fresh and it's available everywhere. Fine books are sold. And I love Ian that you actually read the audible version. Yeah. You know, I, I've never released a book. This is my fourth book Mm -hmm. and I've never not recorded the audible version because I personally hate it when I get a book and they have that professional guy who reads it and it's just pretty downer. Yeah. Unless it's like Harry Potter and they bring in like the best actors, you know, in the world to do it. But usually it's a professional voiceover guy. It feels so disconnected from the content, right? Oh my gosh. Yeah. I can't stand it. But that's not the case with the story of you. I'm glad that you read it. So I just want everybody to know that even the audible versions, uh, are with yours truly. Yeah. And you know, just, I mean, at the risk of sounding Mm self-congratulatory, one of the things I'm really excited about is the book has gotten terrific reviews. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that's incredibly gratifying to a writer is, you know, it's the, the vocation is very solitary. You, Mm. you spend a lot of time alone, you know, you and a screen, you and your thoughts, uh, you in the same room, no people. And when you send that out into the world, you don't know the effect it's going to have. It's not like trying out a song on stage. No. And, <laughs> or playing it for a friend in a living room because it's four minutes. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. You know, and you get instant feedback. Mm-hmm. You know, when you get good reviews, it's such a wonderful feeling. Like maybe it's landing in a way that's really going to help people. I love that. Well, you know, I'll just chime in here. If you have read the book and it's been meaningful to you and you haven't left a review yet, Go on over to Amazon and leave a review. That would be amazing. Yeah, I'll and, say. And for the podcast, too. Uh, for those of you that listen, listen on a regular basis, you love it. It really helps other people find the podcast because people are still discovering the podcast. They're still discovering about the Enneagram. So um, that would be really helpful. So now we've got some super exciting news. We've got an emphasis for the next four weeks and uh, something that we are letting people know about that's really exciting Why don't you tell us about that? Yeah. So for the next couple of weeks, we're going to be talking about the Enneagram and relationships. And those relationships could be between you and your spouse, you and your partner, Mm -hmm. um, you know, you and your fiance, whoever it may be. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, And part of the inspiration for this is we are releasing a new IEQ nine couples report. And I am so stoked about this because, you know, um, it's great to get a personal assessment just of you. Mm-hmm. But oftentimes, you know, people do that because, you know, they want to understand themselves. That's fantastic. 
but they really also want to understand who they are in relationship to their their life partner. Right. Right. Sure. Yeah. And and so what this port report does is it, let's say like Annie's a nine, I'm a four. Mm-hmm. So we get you know we take a test like this, let's say, and uh, we get back a report that that has a window into a relationship between nines and fours talks about what's best talks about what's not best talks about conflict talks about opportunity you know it's like fantastic it is wonderful i am so thrilled about it and so thrilled about you know giving it to folks to purchase Mm -hmm. so the iq9 couples report uh it's available yeah at typologypodcast.com slash couples yes 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 and People have loved the IEQ 9 report, and we've gotten tons of great feedback for that, so I expect the same for this. Super excited about this. Already gotten great feedback on Yeah. It. So for the next four weeks, uh, I would say the next three weeks, we're going to be rolling out some replays, but hang with us because it's not just a replay. And then on the fourth week, we have something very, very exciting that I know people are going to love because they've been asking about this for a while. But the first three weeks, we're going to be playing prior uh, podcast, but... What we're going to do is we're going to stop intermittently and you're going to give commentary. Yes. And, you know, um, I read a, a, a Harvard study uh, that was completed maybe, well, in the last five years. I think it was three years ago. Mm-hmm. And it was a long, long, what we call a longitudinal study. So it was done over a lot of years. In right. fact, it was done over 70 years. Wow. The study was started 70 years ago. And they wrapped it up. So that's a lot of data, 70 years of data. Okay. Mm-hmm. And uh, th- what they wanted to know was what is the single most important determinant of happiness in the human life? Mm. Number one, right? Well, what was it? It's got to be relationships. It's relationships. Yeah. It's the quality of your relationships. Right. It's not money. Right. It's not, you know, celebrity. It's not right. any of that stuff. It's the quality at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. What determines happiness is the quality of your relationships. Right. And so as we dive into this stuff, we're diving into the source of human happiness. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And what I'm going to do is, uh, you know, stop us at certain points, as you said. Yeah. And just make commentary. And it's not just for the two types. Like we're going to talk about a seven and a one today. Right. Right. Uh, but that doesn't mean a three and a nine, a six and a five, or whatever. Oh, Couldn't sure. learn from everything I'm going to say right. in the course of our, our time in this podcast. And what I want to do is get people's, you know, get the, get the cogs turning in their heads mm-hmm. to think about how can I improve the quality of my relationship with my, you know, important other yeah. uh, through the, the Enneagram. Mm-hmm. So that uh, I can realize at the end of my life, true happiness, mm-hmm. you know, to me, that's a, an exciting, it is, you know, proposition. <laughs> yes. Right. And, um, <clears throat> you know, if, if we can, if we can help people, uh, that's kind of the mantra around here. Uh, you know, let's help people. Yeah. And uh, if we can cultivate happiness, fulfillment and purpose in people's lives, then I think we've scored a big win. Yes. Yeah, so. We've announced the test. Yep. And we have announced these three replays with commentary. And now bonus round. (laughs) And the fourth week, tell us about what that podcast is going to be. Oh, man. Well, this is going to be 
vulnerable, vulnerable city because uh-huh. it's my wife Annie and I, a mm-hmm. nine and a four, talking about our relationship and how uh, the Enneagram, in many ways, rescued it mm. after twenty plus years of marriage. Uh, the Enneag- and we'll talk more about it sure. on the actual show, but uh, as a couple, the Enneagram was probably the most, the single most important revelation mm. of our, in our relationship. And all those years of therapy and all, the Enneagram illuminated our relationship in such a way that it brought mutual understanding, mutual love. Mm. I mean, it just mm. changed everything. And we'll talk about it when we get there. Yeah, that'll be fun. Okay, so... This week is the Holderness family. Oh, they're we have so great. Kim and Penn, and you are going to be offering some commentary. So, without any further ado, let's get to it. The Holdernesses with our hosts, Ian Crump. Penn and Kim Holderness, welcome to Typology. Thank you so much for having us. I'm so excited about your new book, Everybody Fights, So Why Not Get Better At It? It's a super title, man. Tell me about it. I love this this line from it. We fight a lot, like a lot, more than your average couple on a sitcom. Well, it's accurate. Um, we, Like I said, we live and work together. Uh, so we're kind of in the Malcolm Gladwell 10,000 hours category times a lot. Like We're experts in being around each other. Um, and because we're so different and because we see the world so differently and because we're so self-aware, um, we, we kind of get it out in the open pretty quickly. And so, um, we, we say nice things about each other a lot. We are passionate with each other a lot, but we also fight a lot. I felt that it was so important to write this particular book because everybody fights. We believe fighting can be a love language. And by the way, we have like rules of engagement, right? So there's not like cussing, spitting, punching each other type of fights. But I feel like it once you get through that, you know your partner so much better. And we used to really suck at fighting. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll say that. Like I would just be like, fine. And then like slam the door and leave because that was my MO, just like pull the report. And he was just like the endless pleasure and just wanted to apologize instantly. And we never got through anything. And we had the same fights over and over again. We, and we went to therapy for all this yeah. stuff. And um, we also found out we had a bunch of fights uh, that were happening through silence just by not talking about them, like the yeah. stonewalling of issues. And we found out that was like, we had a few of those, but that's a huge problem for, for other couples as well. Yeah. So um, we're hoping and praying that this book helps. I mean, even if it just helped one couple see that this is completely normal and, and that there's a path and there's some magic words you can use to really diffuse situations and to get the, the most out of your relationship. So we're, we're hoping that it helps people. Okay, let's stop the tape there, Ian. And why don't you give us some commentary? What are you thinking about what they were just saying to each other? All right. So first of all, I love the holdernesses. Oh, so great. Yeah, we've had them on the show uh, twice, mm-hmm. and they are a delight. They've done a lot of personal work. Mm-hmm. And what they're referring to in here, by the way, is this book they wrote on healthy conflict. Right. You know, how to have um, conflict with your partner or spouse in a way that's healthy and life-giving and generative mm-hmm. uh, and positive. Mm-hmm. And of course, in, in relationships, this is obvious uh, to all people listening, right? Like learning to do conflict well mm-hmm. is a lot mm-hmm. of maintaining a good relationship. Well, let's just talk first about sevens and ones. Okay. okay. So before we jump into 
this whole notion of conflict, in particular for sevens and ones, and for other combinations, mm-hmm. right? Uh, let's just let's just talk about sevens and ones in general, okay. right? So they're opposites. They are very, very different human beings. Right. Okay. Uh, so, for example, um, you know, ones are they're conscientious, they're detail oriented, they're responsible, they're dependable, right? They're analytical, mm-hmm. um, and as you've heard me say, this is a favorite phrase of mine. They're, they're very moral people, mm-hmm. you know, a high emphasis on integrity and ethics. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now that's all great. Sevens, um, they bring spontaneity. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They bring curiosity. Uh, they bring joy, right? You can they, see why they're attracted to each other. I mean, yeah, well, and they bring humor mm-hmm. and, and honestly, and I, and this is something ones have told me. I mean, they tend to, to be more than other types, a little serious, mm-hmm. right? Uh, a little no nonsense mm-hmm. at times, right? Now, when they're healthy, yeah, they they become more relaxed and and fun and let their hair down and and do the whole thing, right? Yeah. Um, and uh, here's where things can go sideways. You know, um, at times, uh, the seven will. Um, become loose, funny, you know, uh, they can be a break rule breakers, a little, you know where I'm going? Right, yeah. And, and for ones, if they're not in a great space, they can become increasingly judgmental and critical and, um, you know, that things have to be done in a certain way. Right. Right? Lots of opportunity for conflict there. I mean, There is. Yeah. Right, and they'll start to see the seven as being flippant, right. not serious about life, um, being overextended, mm-hmm. um, pr- making promises to people that they can't keep—all the kinds of things that would drive a one crazy. <laughs> okay, yeah, could be a little crazy. Now, the seven right. starts to see the one as being inflexible, right, too rigid, doctrinaire, right. Um, a little finger waggy, right. uh, sort of leaking shame, uh, and you know that that can become a, a, a problem as well. Now let's talk about the holdernesses. Mm-hmm. Uh, what they were just talking about here is how they're dealing with conflict, right? Mm-hmm. And, and I love what they say that fighting can be a love language, you know, when it's yeah. when it's handled correctly. Um, and, you know, I think for, for the holdernesses, they've developed enough self-awareness and they've done enough work with each other that what you're seeing is two people uh, in a pretty healthy space, mm-hmm. right? Um, it's interesting to me that he says that when things go wrong, that they go, both go into a silent treatment place with each other. Right. I, I oftentimes think that's true of sevens because they don't want to face difficult problems and feelings. And with ones, you know, I think ones would be more likely to not withdraw, at least not for long, and play. Well, they could play the silence game. I will mm-hmm. say that. But I think wherever they would, the moral high ground would be, if it's yeah, they might they might go there and be silent. Right. That said, I think they could really move. They would be more apt to move toward the seven to resolve the problem than the seven would move toward them to resolve the problem. And you see that in the relationship because she talks about where she's she's trying to move in and press in and he's wanting to sort of deflect and not be serious or not have the deeper conversation. But she's kind of pushing in for connection, right? Yeah. And so let me give you an example of this. Okay. 
a couple of months ago, you know, I was on the Johnny Swim show uh, on the Magnolia Network, and people can actually see me on the show. Yeah, uh, it's a really you just you know jump on some streaming service and, and grab it. And he's a seven, and she's a nine. Right. And uh, so, in the middle of our conversation at the dinner table, mm-hmm. right on the show, uh, we're talking about issues between the, an issue between the two of them, mm-hmm. and she's coming from a place of you know she's tearful she's you know oh this is really bothering me and i was able to get abner to lean in to amanda Mm. and i said well abner can can you express to amanda how you feel about this situation and of course he starts talking to me Mm -hmm. so then i had to say no i want you to turn face amanda and talk to her and he really issued a very heartfelt apology, right? Mm. And then I said, well, Amanda, how are you feeling? And she got even more teary, and they're looking at each other, and she expressed her feelings. And what do you think Abner did right after that? Cracked a joke. He cracked a joke. Yeah. And I busted him for it. Mm -hmm. I called him out on it. And you could see the look on his face of awareness Mm. that he had just done that. And see, that's the dynamic, right? And that can happen with sevens and ones, you know, that can happen with sevens and others. I think in general for all couples, you know, uh, we have to watch what is our defense mechanism that we typically default to in moments of conflict when emotions are high. That's what I was going to say. We're not picking on sevens here because we all have those defaults. Oh my gosh, yes. Yeah. Yeah, we all do. Yeah. And we have to be able to spot them and then try to mitigate them before we deploy them. Right. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> we got to say, whoa, put the brakes on. I know yeah. right now I'm about to tell a joke or right now I'm going to do this or I'm going to do that. Um, and, uh, you know, a five might need to say, I got to be careful about isolating and withdrawing right now. So on that, let's like roll a little bit more of this interview. And there's an actual example of where Penn is kind of ribbing Kim. Okay. Okay, here we go. Are you talking about mansplaining, Ian, or is this something different? Like what kind of, te- is it, or is it like this kind of teasing? Or yeah. Is it, like, yeah. I, I, we had a fight recently where I did not mispronounce the name of a rapper. I said Busta Rhymes, and he thought I said Buster Rhymes. And so, and it was part, it was not part of the story. I was like, oh, like, that, you know, in this playlist, Buster Rhymes, he's like, did you say Buster? I was like, no, I didn't. And he would not let go of it. And he thought it was so funny that I would mispronounce the name of this artist. And so, and, but I, I was like, for the love. And he thought it was the funniest thing. And I just wasn't in the mood for it. So that was one of our most recent um, annoying fights. Yeah. So there was a seven and a one right there. Okay, Ian, let's talk about this dynamic between the type seven and the type one. You know, this is sort of classic seven one uh, behavior. Right. Right. So he starts teasing her. Mm-hmm. Now, that's a little bit of a problem for ones. Right. Okay. Um, first of all, uh, for a one, I mentioned they were a little serious. And mm-hmm. sometimes the teasing, when emotions are high, uh, the teasing is wounding. You and, know? And, and actually the teasing was around her being precise about something too, yes. which is like, it's a really like a core value. Yes. Ones don't like to make mistakes. Right. You know, Buster rhymes right. is a mistake. <laughs> <Yeah>. Right. <laughs> and, and so, you know, remember it's very important for ones to be right. 
And they, we're not saying she said Buster Rhymes. Well, you don't know what she said, right? But they don't like making mistakes. Right, exactly. Right? And yeah. so th- when they get called out for it, they become defensive. They can become, you know, uh, they might deflect, right, and blame the other. Uh, and things can go sideways. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So being correct is, is really important for ones. You don't want to tease it too hard. Right. Right? Now, here's the thing. Um, with ones, they can, uh, lose respect for the seven. Um, and in conflict, they'll lose respect over the fact that sevens are going to get demanding. Mm -hmm. They're going to get too aggressive, too pushy. Right. And they might even start being inappropriate, Mm -hmm. which will drive the one a little batty. Right. Right. Because it feels embarrassing right. to them. And uh, they can get, then begin to withdraw. And you know what can break out that you want to watch out for in a marriage. And in fact, a study was done. And here's how you know a marriage is over. Are you ready? Mm-hmm. Here's a therapist knows, okay, we're pretty done. When there's evidence of contempt. Mm. When there's contempt. Mm-hmm. And when contempt, when, when a marriage deteriorates to the point of contempt it's pretty much done right okay yeah and that's where this can go yeah after a while the one can feel contempt toward the seven and vice versa right right the the one will feel contempt when the seven just continues to act in a way that to the one feels you know uh, childish and flippant Mm -hmm. and uh you know all that stuff right and for the for the seven it can be that the one is too rigid is too uh, shaming. Mm -hmm. Um, and if that seven starts to feel trapped in the relationship, then things can really go sideways. Right. Right. Uh, so that's, that will make reconciliation between the two types really, really difficult, which could lead to contempt. Yeah. You say this uh, quite often, you know, if they feel trapped, that's like a, a really bad one. The other is they're actually, Sevens can actually tend to have feelings of anxiety or masks shame with some kind of happy-go-lucky presentation. And so if the one comes at that seven too hard with that, although it might look like it's not going in, uh, you could do some real damage there. Yes. And what do I mean by contempt? Well, let me put it to you this. Here's one way of thinking uh, uh, about contempt. When you lose hope that the other will change, mm. there's no hope. Mm-hmm. You've, you have tried and tried and tried, and you're at the end of your rope. And then anger and frustration then morphs into contempt, mm-hmm. right? And when that happens, then uh, the one and the seven both will withdraw and just give up on the relationship changing. And that's when the seven, right, begins to, to feel trapped. And then the one begins to feel like this person will never get it. Mm-hmm. And then contempt breaks out. And that is true in every relationship. When contempt begins to show its, you know, ugly tail. Right. Then bad things are more likely to occur. Great. Let's move on to some more of this interview. Great. Okay. Kim, does Penn do what we call reframing, which is if something is if something bad happens, he can suddenly just turn it on its head and make it a positive. 
Yes. I will say that. So he, he brought up his parents. So we'll share Like both of his parents have Alzheimer's dementia. So that's a mind mm. thing that happens to a child to have. And he's, you know, he's in his 40s. So he's relatively young to have parents going through this. So yesterday was the first time in a year that we've seen them. So we had an, we were able to do an outdoor visit for the first time of the year. And they've declined a lot over the past year. And neither one of them are verbal. And mm. I, we were sitting there and it was really hard. And we're getting, we're walking to the car and he's like, okay, well, we got to go pick up the kids and we got to go. Um, the, it, it, it's fine. It's, it is what it is. It's fine. Okay. What are we going to get for dinner? Like very, and. Well, then we also had a plan that we're going to bring our guitar next time. Yeah. And he's like, like you know, next time we'll make it about music. Cause they can sing. Cause you know, you can sing and not speak. He's like, we're going to sing next time. And it'll be great. It'll be fun, lots of fun. And it was like, and then we were done. And, and so he not only reframed it as something like next time it's going to be fun, but then like could move on. And whereas I was needing to like sit in the moment and to hold hands and really just like feel it. Um, he was like, he does not feel like feel value in feeling sad. <laughs> he doesn't find value in that. Right. So um, and that's a very seven feature. Yeah. Um, uh, so, you know, Penn, just now when, 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 uh, when Kim was talking, you, you, you went from sort of an animated face to a sad face, which is yeah. understandable given the topic. I, I mean, I, I understand that, but what was that? What's that like for you when you go there? Uh, it's not comfortable. It's, uh, I, I usually like to be by myself. I only recently, by recently, like in my entire life, found someone that I could be sad around and it's Kim. And we weren't even great at that when we first got started. I don't think, I don't think, you know, in the manual, a lot of people will, they'll fall in love. They'll get to know each other. They'll get married. They'll go on their honeymoon before ever really having a chance to be sad together. So um, it's, it's, it sucks. It's uncomfortable. And I, I've also, it's so uncomfortable that I feel people looking at me and wondering if there's something wrong with me. And that makes me feel sad because I don't want to harsh their buzz. Mm. Well, I appreciate your vulnerability on that because I think that's a struggle for lots of sevens. Wow, Ian, this part of the interview was personally really moving to me. And I'm so grateful for both Penn and Kim's vulnerability in this interview and especially where Penn just took it. So what are your thoughts about what we just heard? You know, Anthony, all of us want to be seen. You know, we we all want to be understood. I think we hope that the our primary relationship, right, with mm -hmm. our partner um, would be the safest place to do it. Mm -hmm. But oftentimes, it's the scariest place to do it. Yeah, right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Isn't that weird? It is. And I can just tell you, I'm saying that from my own experience. Sure. Like, I'm a four, but I can oftentimes be transparent, but not personal. Right, not vulnerable. Yeah, yeah. which is kind of weird. Yeah. Um, I can be vulnerable with lots of people, but I find it hardest to be vulnerable at home. Yeah. You know, now that may be part of trauma growing up and what I saw between my parents and, you know, that was kooky. Right. But I think what, what is being underscored here, uh, by Penn is that it's particularly tricky for sevens, mm -hmm. right? Who don't want to get stuck in painful feelings. They just don't want to stay there. Right. It's like putting a hand on a hot oven. Um, and, and so it's beautiful to hear them talk about like, you know, he has found in Kim 
finally someone that he can be sad with. It is. I love that. You know? And, um, you know, I know another seven uh, in, in my very close to me in my life. He's young. Mm-hmm. And this seven, I think, is so afraid of other people seeing him sad. Mm-hmm. It's almost as though he has to keep this thing up, mm-hmm. you know, because he's he has a mistaken notion that that's all people expect or want from him. It makes me think of that Japanese term zikiki ren, which means self-deception while deceiving others. And I think about that in the situation. Yeah. They're fighting so hard they, to resist those feelings of sadness. They might not even be aware of how sad they are. Yes. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. I, I think that's, that's true. Absolutely. Yeah. And it takes some time and some trust. You know, let's just close with this. Yeah. And I'm riffing here, so yeah. I don't have anything written down. Right. But let's just talk about, regardless of your type, what makes great relationships. Mm. Okay? Yeah. Um, so one thing would obviously be, well, here's a Thich Nhat Hanh one that I love. Mm-hmm. Thich Nhat Hanh says, the beginning of love is understanding. Mm. Now that sounds weird, because understanding you think is being cerebral. So it's not emotional. Right. The beginning of love is understanding. And specifically, he says, understanding the suffering the place of suffering, the cause of suffering mm. in the partner's life, mm. right? And I think that's an amazing idea, right? I do too. Yeah, the power of that is you're not alone, right? Yes. You're understood. And, you're not alone. And that's being seen, yeah. right? Like I see your suffering. Yeah. You know, so for you as a one, I see what caused it. I see mm. your struggle. I see the inner critic. I see what's, mm. you know, I see all the things that cause you pain. Mm-hmm. And I go through all nine types and, yeah. you know, and say, well, what causes them pain? Right. Right. And maybe we should do a show on that at, at, at some time in the yeah. future. So I think that's one thing. There are obvious things that therapists would say, things like good communication skills. And these two, I've just written a book about good communication skills in the context of conflict. Right. Which is super important. Yeah. Right. Like how do we communicate with each other yeah. uh, effectively? And, I, you know, and obviously how do we listen to each other, mm-hmm. you know, is, is part of the journey of, of learning how to be with the other. I love what Henry Nouwen says, that a good partnership is one in which uh, both couples protect, each, both members of the couple protect each other's solitude. Mm, and that's good. worth pondering on. That's good. You know, because here's the thing. You will never be fully understood. Right. Ever. Right. Now, this is going to sound terrible. Everybody is alone, ultimately. Yeah. Because you can't be fully known yeah, by yourself or anybody else. Do you, you know what I yeah, mean? Yeah. So everybody at some level is alone. Yeah. Right? That's a fundamental experience we all have. So that aloneness needs to be protected. Mm. Right? Just you create space for others to have a solitude, an interior solitude. Yeah. And I think that's really important in relationships. Yeah. Right? Um, I, you know, I could go on and on with what, what makes healthy relationships. I think it's maybe ultimately your focus should be on wishing uh, or trying to enable the other to achieve wellness and wholeness, wanting the best for the other Mm -hmm. and being willing to make sacrifices to uh, make that wellness and wholeness possible. Mm. That's good. Yeah. I'll think about some more, but those were just things off the top of my head. You you kind of hit on this basically, but... I think it's important to know that too often I think we try to fix each other 
and just to be with someone wherever they are in their joy or in their sadness, right? Or in their hurt or in their pain, but just to be present with someone on the journey to me is so much of what relationship is about. Yeah. Yeah. Well, this has been a fun conversation. Yeah. And we get to do two more of these and then you and Anne are going to do one in four weeks from this episode. So thanks for weighing in with your feedback on these interviews. Fantastic. And listen, Typology Tribe, may you have love, may you have joy, may you have peace, may you have healing, may you have rest. Until next time.